Talk dirty to me. The Quick and the Dirty with Hillary and Sandra. You're kidding me. You're things that I have put in my mouth. Uh, oh my God, Hillary. <laughs> it's what everyone is talking about. Get jazzy on. I'm Hillary from London. And I'm Sandra from Ottawa. And welcome to the Quick and the Dirty podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about all the things that you love to talk about with your friends, except we record it, we post it online, you can laugh at our failure and feel better about yourself. Uh, And now this episode marks the beginning, the official beginning, if you will, of year two of the podcast, because last week we celebrated the milestone 50th episode and, of course, the milestone one-year anniversary. And I feel like I'm still basking in the afterglow of that. How about you? I know. People actually like us. I know, right? (laughs) How did that even happen? I don't even like myself, Sandra. (laughs) I thought we agreed that we would just like each other and that would be enough. All right. It Uh, should be in theory, right? But I got to give a shout out to not only the people who sent us tweets and emails and blah, 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 but the thousands of people who have now reviewed our (laughs) podcast. Okay. The one person. You mean five, right? (laughs) <laughs> okay, I did, I did mean five. I was just trying to put a little Hollywood into it and sizzle. Uh, but we got a brand new review on our Facebook page, the Quick and Dirty Facebook page. You can actually find it at Quick and Dirty Podcast. And uh, Stephanie reviewed us and gave us five stars. And she said, love this podcast. Funny and so interesting to listen to. So happy I found it. Getting to know you ladies more and more subjects in general while listening to real people is the best. And what a lot of people don't realize is both on iTunes and on our website, you can download the podcast and save it to your device so you can listen to it anywhere not using your data. Oh, that's absolutely right. People, that's actually a really good thing to mention. Can I also say we have a five-star rating on the iTunes that's because the people who don't like us don't bother writing anything. They just move on. And because I've fudged the numbers every time I, I go, because I, I do the technical, I like I put everything up on iTunes as well. So what I'll do is I'll double check to make sure that it's gone on there. And every time I go on, I'll give us a new five-star rating. <laughs> so I'm totally fudging the numbers. Oh, I think Sandra's I'll give us a our biggest again. fan. <laughs> it's all a lie, and I'm okay with that. Absolutely. So uh, before we get into the deep, dark topics that we're going to cover today, uh, which include people not knowing your name, is it offensive, hotel sex, making kids cry, (laughs) sunsets versus sunrises, and uh, the glories of glamping. Right. You know, that just sounded like the opening of Jeopardy. (laughs) I'll take um, make kids cry for 300, Hillary. (laughs) <laughs> Let's do a little uh, a little review of the Paul Simon concert. Both of us saw it a week or slightly more than that in different locations, and we both had different experiences. You saw Paul Simon in Montreal with your husband. The last we checked in with you, it was all about how your husband was going to work the V. How did it go? <laughs> well, I will say this. The V got worked. Okay. But it wasn't worked as fervently as I had hoped. And and I don't mean that as an insult. I just mean that that conversation that we had about rising to the expectations totally came into play because you start romanticizing things, you know, oh, it's going to be Especially like you, you're the queen of drama. I'm yes, and the queen of rom- I romanticize everything and I don't know why I do that, but I'm trying to lower I, I think it's Disney. I feel like Disney just screwed me up on that happily <laughs> okay. ever ending, you know? Please That's a whole other never conversation. never mention Disney and working the V. <laughs> 
paragraph. <laughs> I sorry, Let's I say did like that maybe too. reality TV, The Bachelor, or something like that. Me? No, I feel like I honestly stand by that. I believe it's Disney who has given a lot of young women, especially of my generation, a romanticized version of living happily ever after and the romance and all of that. And that's that's just mm-hmm. not real life, you know. And it really isn't. So yeah, I do blame Disney and all those Sleeping Beauty movies and the big prince yeah. is going to come and save you and all that crap. Uh, or the the guy that's going to lock you up like Beauty and the Beast, and well, then you fall in love and live happily ever after. When you think we went dark quick, didn't we on this episode? We're like what four minutes in, we've gone very dark. Uh, yeah. but, but here here's the thing: I got it worked. I didn't get it worked to in the way in my mind it was going to work, but I left satisfied. However, I um, it was more functional than anything. If that right, remember, but did you learn a lesson? Way? I learned I learned that putting these high expectations on people never ends well because no man can live up to that pressure and no woman could live up to that pressure. You you know at the end of the day you should just love each other Hillary because that's what it's all about. <laughs> And if you're new to this conversation and you missed last week's episode, working the V is having sex. <laughs> we didn't how, explain that. Sandra and working. her husband yeah. went to see Paul Simon and they got a hotel room and there was a large expectation. Yeah, I feel like working the V is self-explanatory, Hillary. <laughs> if you don't know what working the V is, why are you listening to this podcast? <laughs> you're not qualified to I'm, listen. I'm trying to be inclusive. That's good. Well, somebody should be around here. Uh, So you know what? Aside from that, and and honestly, it was fine. It was just fine. it was it was fine. Sounds that way, yeah. It was fine and functional. Uh, we uh, we we had a great time at a, at that concert. That guy's seventy six years old. Can you believe it? He sounds so good, like pretty much exactly like he did years ago. And that's that's a tough thing because you know I saw Brian Ferry a couple of years ago at uh, Ottawa's Blues Fest, and he has he has lost his sound. Uh, so it wasn't the a same. A little bit of a different sound, though. I mean, a Paul's always been very relaxed. True, true story. But it, it, it's it's still you would close your eyes and know that it was Paul Simon. You wouldn't when it was Brian Ferry. You know oh, what I mean? That's too bad. Yeah, it was too bad. But Paul Simon was he was shockingly good for seventy six and Absolutely. haunting. Like the sound of silence. Don't tell me you didn't cry just a little. Oh yeah. So I saw Paul Simon not in Montreal but in Detroit. Because I live on the other side of Ontario, and uh, I saw him before Sandra. We had a great time at that concert, but did I ever learn a lot about the difference between going to like a concert like Ed Sheeran or an up-and-coming artist versus like a classic artist? Because the crowd at our Paul Simon concert had 12-year-olds to almost 100-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> and... Older people don't know how to use their cell phones, and they don't know concert etiquette at all. Oh, God, what happened? Well, as you said, everyone had their their phone out to take video of Sound of Silence, except all the old people forgot to turn their flash off. <laughs> so, you know, I feel sorry for anyone who may have had a seizure... Because there is so much flash photography and then people taking videos with the light on. So like all you can see is the backs of people's heads because it's not like it's they're using it as a lighter or whatever in a, a soft moment because that happens too. But they're not holding them up. So it's just like the glare off bald backs of heads. Because it's all <laughs> just old the shiny people. Heads. That's it's just terrible. Were you just because you're you know, you're a technical person, you've been you're a former producer. Did it just make you crazy that they were all technically off? 
Oh, it was so bad. It was really <laughs> frustrating. I wanted to like grab them and turn it off and like there was ugh, oh it was I, so well, frustrating it, it was exactly the same thing i didn't even pick up on that to be honest i did see all the lights from the videos that were being taken during sound of science but i did see one thing that just made me cry laughing <laughs> okay there's some guy in the back still using a lighter we don't do that anymore we're not doing that anymore and i just and i just was like dude you're like we're, it's not even smart to use a lighter for numerous reasons. Number one, you're going to burn your thumb because we all do that concert lighter <laughs> thing and we all walk out of there with a black thumb right? and then like a burn mark the next day. And then you can see that person struggling as the burn started to kick in and they kept trying to relight the lighter. And mm-hmm. I was, then I just became fixated on the lighter person. The one, like there was only one left. God, they were, I didn't even get a look at them because it was so dark. But a part of me respected them. It's like, yeah, you're going old school tonight. That's what you're doing. There uh, were actually a lot of lighters at my concert. Were there? Well, because we saw him outside. It was an outdoor venue. Oh, nice. So all of the hippies were up on the lawn smoking weed. <laughs> and they all had lighters. That's amazing. Did you get people dancing at weird spots in the concert? Okay, first song of the show. He didn't have an opener at the Paul Simon show, which I thought was cool because he has enough material. But people were still getting seated at the very beginning. And I guess this guy had enjoyed the adult beverages a little bit too much. (laughs) He was maybe in his 70s and very excited. First song he played was um, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. And I know exactly why this guy's lover left him (laughs) at the Paul Simon concert alone, because he was rocking his hardcore dad dance moves. Oh, God, no. With jeans that were too baggy and his underwear were hanging out. And he's just like swaying those hips in a way that I do not want to see. But he was, you know, I give him respect because he was super into it. And that's, yeah. (laughs) It's just, it's Paul Simon to me is Definitely not a dancing concert, though. In mine, too, the, what's that song? Me and Julio down by the schoolyard. There's this one woman who got up and she killed it. And I'm just like, that's the weirdest song choice to be dancing to. Why me and Julio? It's so dancey. We I were thought, all up for that. By the last half of the concert, like once he got into the three standing ovations he expected, yeah. um, we were all dancing. But like the first song, inappropriate. <laughs> 50 ways, 51 ways to leave your lover now. <laughs> Seriously, coming out. I was embarrassed for him and the people behind him who'd just gotten there and wanted to relax because, you know, they're older and they just climbed 4,000 stairs to get to their seats and they're out of breath. They're just happy to be there. And then there's there's 51 guy, 51 guy, <laughs> that guy. I know we all have that guy. I, I, you know, it's funny. Right at the beginning of the concert, he was talking about etiquette, actually. I don't know if he did that with yours. Mm-hmm. And he basically said, you know, people like to stand at concerts and dance and whatever. And other people may not like it. But at my concert, it's OK to stand and dance and forget about everybody else. And everyone applauded. And then we yeah. all got pissed off about the people standing in front of us anyway. So <laughs> it's down. nice to know that he did the same shtick at both concerts. Yeah. Oh, did he? Yep. Absolutely the same. Yeah. Well, I mean, how many dates is he doing, right? He's got a, <laughs> some of that material crossover from time to time. Absolutely. Did he play that terrible environmental song at yours? What was that? I don't uh, know. Something about angels or whatever. It was very political. He played one where we were like, this is too long and it took way too long. I had a lot of bathroom breaks, to be honest. So I may have missed that <laughs> one. And I was on wine duty. So I was, I was doing the key. I was doing like the concession and the wine duty and the or in the uh, the bathroom breaks. So many bathroom. It was like I was a hundred.
Right. So basically, you went to see two songs of Paul Simon play in Montreal. And it was terrible because I wasn't on the end. I was sec- I was almost at the end, but there was an elderly gentleman oh, who was no. sitting alone. So I was like, excuse me. And it, it's Montreal, so you're like, excuse <laughs> And he kept getting up. And by the third or fourth, I literally got up. It was about five times between bathroom breaks. And it's a long concert, Hillary. He was just by the third time he was like, B, sit down. You know? And I'm like, "Mm, I feel so bad. But yeah. Were you like, Hillary? Hillary? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. What else? What's next? Okay. I have a question for you. Do you get upset when people don't get your name right? Um. Yes and no. If you if you don't if you haven't taken the time to learn my name and you get it wrong because you're an ignorant idiot, yes. But if you make a mistake, you know, sometimes you make an honest mistake and the wrong name comes out of your mouth, then no. To be specific, what happened? Uh, well, I was over the last couple of weeks. I've been hanging around a lot with my boyfriend's family, and he's been previously married. Uh, I was called by his ex's name. Twice by his two moms, <laughs> his mom and his stepmom. I mean, that's um, that's scandalous. <laughs> I mean, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, can you please now explain to me the um, the context in which that happened? Uh, one was uh, his mom who came with us to see Paul Simon was exiting the car and said, oh, thanks so much for bringing me Ja, Ooh. Hillary. Okay. All right. And the and second, then the other one was at Father's Day dinner. Kind of the same thing. Just like a one-off. Called me by the wrong name. But so, it's, you know what? I will say I am not offended. Why? Because I think it's actually a good thing. Why? Because it means they think of me as part of the family, and she was a part of that family for over ten years. And. I've just become part of that space. Okay. Actually, that's a really great way to look at it. For me, it would be like, um, I, because, you know, I would start, I would go negative right away. <laughs> I would, I would, you? I would assume, uh, I would think the worst. I'd be like, it's because you want her here, don't you? It's because you don't want me. It's you're thinking of her. Is there a, any part of you that actually went there? No. I, th- I think it's just uh, I, I've officially filled that spot that was once held by somebody else. Okay, and then I never think mind. if I were if I were threatened, mm-hmm. if I felt like he was having second guesses, maybe I would be upset. But I'm I'm not, and I know that they like me, and I know that they care about me, and so it it didn't really it it actually shocked me how little it bothers me. Okay, so if you use that same philosophy, would it then bother you if your guy called you by her name in bed? Because you're filling that space, too. <laughs> well, actually, he is. But... <laughs> he sure is, Hillary. <laughs> uh, that when, would bother me. Because but, that's but, more of an emotional, that's an emotional thing. And that's very different than just like a one-off sort of side comment where you're they're looking at you, but they're not really looking at you, maybe not paying attention. It's habit versus right. like you expect that when you're making love to your partner. Yeah, that you they're, said making love. All right, I mean, ahead. we've all had those moments where we think about, you know, the rock. Well, <laughs> while our sweaty husbands or boyfriends are breathing heavy on top of us, but... 
<laughs> we were like, please. No, but I didn't. Oh, we're oh, by still the way, in that stage where we like each other. So but, I would hope that he's thinking about me. But then when you, of course, he's thinking about you. But maybe habit would dictate that he calls out somebody else's name in the sack. No, because uh, my boyfriend's a mute in the sack. So that's never going to happen. <laughs> Do you ever have to poke him to see if he's alive or breathing? Or No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, he does the work. He's just not a talker. <laughs> okay. That actually could be beneficial because if it happened to me, I would, I would die and then I would slash and burn. What it if would... he was like, oh, like someone hot, like called you Selma instead of Sandra? <laughs> um, I, I think there's a part of me that would, I mean, I, the intellectual part of me would get be, would understand because we've all done it. Right. I just don't want to know about it. Is that fair? <laughs> I don't want to know that he's thinking of Angelina or whoever he's thinking right. of. I don't want to know. He, but but do, whatever ahead, it takes to get you there to get the job takes, done to work I, the V, go I, for it. I'm a big fan of the whatever it takes philosophy. A big fan of that. Right. I, use, I utilize it all the time. So I would expect <laughs> other people around me to. Like, okay, so I, I got to know, hmm. who do you think of? Oh, Who are you thinking of? Who's your, your mental sub? It, it's, it's never one person. It, it, it changes rapidly. <laughs> but the latest, honestly, has been the Bradley Cooper beard from A Star is Born trailer. Have you seen the beard on Bradley Cooper? Oh, yeah. Holy. It looks like my boyfriend's beard. Oh, my God. It's, you and I have a beard. I would even say it's a fetish because I, I fetishize beards for I'm, sure. I'm three or four boyfriends and 10 years into beards. <laughs> so you have a storied, long history of beards. You're in. Yeah. Like, I can't even imagine being around a man who shaves his face. Like, who are you? What are you about? I don't, I don't even like that. But that, oh, the beard on him. I would like to one day, and I'm not kidding, um, just have, like, you know how they used to have kissing booths back in the day? Mm -hmm. But I would just stand there and then bearded men would just come to me and I would pet them just one by one. I would touch. The, I love to. I, I like to pet bearded men. Call it. Call me crazy, but it's a fetish. I just love that beard. I love. But that beard is like next level. Maybe remember when we were kids and they had those like books that were touch and feel and all. <laughs> Maybe we need to start getting magazines. Like, you know how they yes. had dirty magazines for guys? Maybe Lady Dirty Magazine should be beards, but they should be sensory. Oh, so I, they're oh like fuzzy. <laughs> That's hilarious. And pop ups. Yeah. <laughs> remember the pop up books? Hello, and it would be called, sir. It would be called um, Beard Aficionado. And you. <laughs> Just like that mag. Have you ever seen Cigar Aficionado? Used to be a magazine. It was yeah. just. It was a magazine of celebrities smoking cigars. It was that stupid. And talking about just cigars. See you opening the Bradley Cooper page and like nuzzling your face <laughs> yes. into his beard. Oh, geez, I just and it's the perfect thing. Like it's the perfect beard. It's it's long enough so that it's slightly prison dirty, which I like, but it's still kept very well. Like it's kept. Yeah, it's, it's trimmed around the bottom because that's gross when it starts to like migrate oh, to the agreed. chest. That's right. There's, and like, then, there's a control to it. And it ha the mustache has to be clean enough that it doesn't then curl back down into the teeth. Ex exactly. So here's a bigger question. Why do you like, I mean, wh wh I know why I like beards, but why do you like beards? I don't know. It's not like, um, it's not like the men in my life growing up ever had beards at all. Right? I don't even like my it's not like something that I uh, I am drawn to that way. I just, you know, I have really sensitive skin. And if you shave by five o'clock, you're going to rip my face off. 
So, so it's soft. It's it, they can be soft. Not all of them are soft. My husband's is like a Brillo pad sometimes. Like he needs some conditioner in there. He needs some beard oil. He needs beard oil, and he's been like he's been maintaining it because I've become like militant about my, <laughs> my like his beard. It doesn't even belong to him anymore. It's my beard. <laughs> And this is how I want it kept. <laughs> and I want to touch it, and then I'll just, like, sit there and I'll pet him. Oh, <laughs> and boy. He, he just lets me touch his face a little bit, and he's like, oh, God, here she goes again. <laughs> well, he's got to give you something. <laughs> I know. Can I tell you why? And you tell me if you think this is wrong. But here's the real true reason I love beards, and I've thought about it considerably, because it's, such, I, it's I've almost fetishized them, and I have to work. I don't know if that's right or wrong. Okay. But, but when I was growing up, I watched TV shows from the 70s, like Magnum P.I. And a lot of those, you know, cops and robbers kinds of shows with, you know, you know, you know, cops and robbers things. Mm-hmm. And most of the heroes in the, those movies had those mustaches and that that burly, manly look. So I've always equated a manly look to facial hair. I just always thought it was because you were Greek and you required a guy that had more hair than you. That's also, that's actually true. (laughs) But body hair too, you know what I mean? There's nothing worse than having a bearded man with no body hair. That would be wrong because that's, you know what that, that's called, that's like a bait and switch, you know? (laughs) You've lured me in thinking there's going to be hair and then you're nothing from the neck down. I'm not into that. You know what? I'm weird. I don't like it when uh, my boyfriend trims his chest too much because I find it's like Velcro for my own hair. <laughs> and then next thing you know, his is all over your bot, your skin. Ugh. I, it's just like you lay on their chest to like cuddle goodnight and you try to lift your head and it's stuck. Like the little loops are stuck in your own hair. Oh, it's girl. awful. And then it like pricks the side of your face. Yeah. My husband has more back hair than front hair now. And I'm not kidding. <laughs> I am not kidding. In fact, when he kept, when we go swimming, he doesn't even towel off anymore. He just shakes it off <laughs> like a dog. Does that gross you out? Like some people are, ugh, back hair. It doesn't really bother me, but but my boyfriend doesn't get really back hair. No, you know, um, when you love somebody, you you love them all. So if he can love me and my all of my imperfections, because Mama has a lot of hair too. I'm not going to get a stick. I'm not a stickler for anybody's hair that way. You know what I mean? If you've got a little hair in a weird place, eh, don't worry about it. We're all friends here. It's just, I mean, it's just hair. We have so many hangups about hair and hair removal and all that stuff. And I do too. But really, it's just hair and it's natural. So it's not the worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about, uh, are, do you have strong opinions on women and underarm hair? Not overly strong. I, I respect any woman's uh, choice to leave it whatever. I, I choose to shave it. But uh, actually, no, I actually uh, had it um, lasered a few years ago, so I don't have anything there except the odd peach fuzz every once in a while. But yeah, no, I respect any woman's choice to um, let her hair grow in any place she wants. You? Uh, I don't have strong opinions. I mean, I have a lot of like hippy dippy friends. I choose to shave mine, uh, again, just because I have the most sensitive skin on the face of the planet. Uh, but... I do know that there are many men in my world that are totally against armpit hair on women. They just cannot stand it. They think it's the most disgusting thing ever. And I find that odd. I don't like that. I feel like, but is it any worse than me fetishizing that I like beards and them maybe not fetishizing, but not liking something? You know what I mean? Yeah, but you're not like, ugh, you're disgusting if you have no facial hair. Like, you don't belong on this planet, which is sort of how the guys 
are about armpit hair. See, that's the that's the whole society thing telling you that hair is bad and all those terrible Gillette commercials and other, uh, you know. Uh, razor commercials telling you that hair is such a bad thing and a beautiful woman should have as little hair as possible. They've bought into that. And that's that's really sad, isn't it? Yeah, I found it really kind of odd, especially something that's so natural. Like people have decided that it's not feminine. Yeah, there's a lot of men who are evolved and who wouldn't mind. It, it sort of tells you about where they are in their evolution. Don't you think mm-hmm. when they when they get hung up on those stupid little things uh, yeah, that's not, they're not our people, Hillary. Those are not our people. <laughs> they're not our people. Yeah. Now, you had a big weekend as well. You went oh, glamping, yeah. which is um, too close to camping for you, I think. I was actually thinking that I was going to go see my friend uh, up in the uh, Sudbury area, just north of Sudbury. He has this great little campground. I was thinking that I was going to be roughing it. I was prepared for dirt and uh, yeah, I just, just, you know, a simple life, let's just say, for the weekend. But instead, he brought he he's brought glamping to a whole new level. This guy turns out is like a gourmet, gourmet chef, so mm-hmm. he had like three course meals for us, <laughs> like ex- elaborate brunches with you know bacon on the barbecue, uh, homemade fresh bagels, <laughs> like it was next level stuff, and uh, wine as far as the eye could see. So it was um, it was exceptional. Um, a couple of things though. Um, Mosquitoes. What is going on with the mosquitoes? Okay, as you know, I lived in Sudbury for eight years, and you can literally be carried away by mosquitoes. <laughs> there are so many. They're big. Really big. They're a different kind of mosquito. Did you know that there's more than one kind? Uh, no. Um, they are larger mosquitoes indeed, and the black flies. You went up in like prime black fly season. Oh my God, they, t- they took chunks out of my body, and they were relentless, and there were millions of them flying around. They were terrible. They're terrifying. Uh, what's your mosquito bite count? Uh, 87% of my body is covered with mosquito bites right now. Um, I have decided there is one place that is the worst place to get a mosquito bite. Okay. I believe that would be between your toes. Oh. And then, you know, everywhere. I mean, it's never good when you have to start scratching and you get that itchy feeling and you just got to start going at it. But between your toes in the middle of the night, it started the itch kicked in and I had the urge to scratch. And I'm like, I'm already I've been drinking. There's going to be no reaching here. So then you start doing the cricket and you're like rubbing your little feet together. And then when you start, then you start getting aggressive (laughs) and then you're just in bed and you're just rubbing your feet together. And then you're like, who am I? Who am I in life that this is what it's come down to? And uh, I have another one that's like right in the middle of my forehead, this crazy mosquito bite right in the middle of my moneymaker. I'm not happy about that. <laughs> I can tell you one place that is worse. Is where? The worst place to get a mosquito bite is your inner thigh. Because oh. once you start scratching it, you're that person that scratches their <laughs> inner thigh in public. <laughs> and then you're like, you're going at it. Oh, yeah. Because like once you start, you can't stop. <laughs> and then you're trying to do it on the sly. Yeah. Rubbing yeah. up against things. <laughs> well, you don't like, want your hand to touch it. You're just like starting to rub things, and then you trying just become... to use your elbow to rub your inner thigh, and then you just give up. That's right. And people are like, "What is what is up with Hillary? Something's up with her body language." Yeah, uh, then... you need to go to the pharmacy need... and talk. <laughs> yeah, and you know the other thing that happened this weekend is um, I had a great road trip. I love road trip. You know how much I love road tripping. Right? I do. You well, won't shut up about them. I friggin' love road trips, and I think that. They are the unsung hero of a new generation, and I think more of more millennials should take road trips and appreciate the beauty of being in a car with people you love, and the 
the ability to turn your phones off and just have a conversation with the open road in front of you. Great conversations happen in a road trip. And, they do. Yeah. They also end friendships. <laughs> well, sometimes you're in a car with people you don't like after five hours. You're like, enough already. But that's when you put the, the Spotify comes into, into play. And, and the radio stations, you go through those little towns. You listen to small time radio. That's great, too. I love that. But my, my friend Deb and I, shout out to Deb. Uh, we had a, we, <laughs> It's not a podcast until I mentioned Deb. Yeah, you probably should have mentioned that you can take our podcast on your road trip. Oh, that's right. Go at, tell everybody how, Hillary. Once you again. can download it to your device and take us with you without using your data. Perfect. Oh, my God. That sounds like a great idea. Um, I, did I, I tried to enable that conversation as best I could, naturally. Uh, okay, so we had this debate, and I really believe this is an important answer, or an important question, and your answer is somewhat important, too. Are you a sunrise person or a sunset person? Are we in uh, a stage production of Fiddler on the Roof? (laughs) Sunrise, sunrise. It's an important question. (laughs) Okay, well, I would say I don't often wake up for them, but I do appreciate sunrises more than sunsets. That's very interesting because I believe I could build a psychological profile on you just knowing that. Okay, so what's the difference between a sunrise person and a sunset person? I think a sunrise person probably has a sunnier disposition in life part of the pun so were you uh were you surprised by my <laughs> no actually i am a little bit surprised to me a sunrise represents hope and the promise of a new day and things to come and and you're looking forward to the possibilities okay and that really if you're a sunrise person isn't that who you are isn't that what a sunrise represents to you I think it does, and I think it does apply to me because I have yet to accomplish anything in my life. But yet you still have hope. Right, because if you didn't have hope, you'd end it now. <laughs> exactly. So I love that, that, I love that about you, that you do love sunrises. And, in, and for the, uh, just, to mar- just to, for the record, sorry, the words, uh, Deb is also a sunrise person, but I bet you already knew that. Oh, yeah. 100% sunrise person. She's also one of those people that looks refreshed in the morning and is always happy and you want to punch her in the face. <laughs> she doesn't understand that like she's she's got such a sunny disposition and she's she always looks at the bright side of life and we had that conversation too. It's beca- it's very clear why people are drawn to her because she, you know, going to Deb is like going to the light. <laughs> and we need to go to the light sometimes more often than not. Okay, and the queen of darkness, Sandra, I can yes. only assume you're a sunset person. I, I get off on sunsets. In fact, I would actually call myself a self, self-described self sunset chaser only because I realized recently that most of the photography that I've done are sunsets. Um, you sad, lonely bitch. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There's sunsets, and I, I asked myself, what is... Was that of me? Are you no, me? I was talking to myself. <laughs> And I realize there's a darkness to enjoying sun. There is a darkness. And when I see a sunset, and I kid you not, and I hate to get too philosophical, but I actually mourn the first two, three minutes of a sunset. I'm sad when that's the the, the second the sun is no longer seen off the horizon and the glow of the orange is gone. I actually get sad. Like genuinely, I have a a feeling of melancholy that comes over me like that day is over. I probably could have done it better. You know what I mean? But do you think that there's a sense of gratitude with the sunset? 
over what has passed and a and a longing to relive it because you enjoy life to the fullest. Yeah, that's part of it too. And the other part is that when the when the day ends, the night begins, and I love the mystery of night because great things, ha- better things have happened to me at night than during the day, if you can believe it. <laughs> so I do love the mystery of night. I like the cloak of darkness. I I think there's far more mystery in the night than the day and hope in in the evening for me anyway. And sex. (laughs) Well, I'm always hoping for it, but as you know, my life is never really realized the way I expect it to be anyway. But yeah, I I just find that a very interesting uh, conversation starter. Well, I I also feel like you also enjoy sunsets because that means it's only a matter of time before your smoky eye is appropriate. Where... That no one can see how much makeup I'm actually wearing. Right. That's you all. can't you know wear what, those drag queen lashes during the day. No, I absolutely. Well, I disagree. <laughs> I think you can. <laughs> I, the more I wear it, the more okay it becomes during the daytime. <laughs> but I just, don't you find that interesting? Like, if you're ever at a party, ask that question. I think you're going to learn a lot about a new person just by asking that question. Yeah. That is really interesting. I think so, too. Yeah. Uh, so I experienced a bit of a um, milestone in my relationship with my boyfriend's kids over the weekend. Okay. So we celebrated our very first Father's Day together because I just met them last year. We waited a really long time to introduce the kids to our relationship because we wanted to make sure that we were on solid ground and it was a for sure thing. And uh, so we celebrated our first Father's Day weekend. They came to visit at my house. We went to see Cirque du Soleil. We spent the whole day together. And I guess by the end of the day, uh, the two girls who are 9 and 11, they'd kind of had enough of each other. They were tired. It was late. It was hot that day. And uh, things escalate as they do with children. Uh huh. Absolutely. And sometimes when, when kids get frustrated, right, and they can't express their frustration, it gets physical because they can't necessarily express it so the the two of them were arguing it got physical uh my boyfriend was on the other side of the minivan we were getting out to go back to my place and i witnessed uh a little argument that got physical that i had to stop and it kind of scared me because i i'd never seen them kind of go at it but it's natural like i can remember beating up my brother yeah, I had a couple of run-ins with my sister. Yeah, of course, kids do like, that. Totally natural. But I had I, I didn't know what to do in the moment. I panicked, so I got kind of loud. I wouldn't say I yelled, but I expressed my disappointment in the eldest child. Tell me how you said it. Give me the tone. I just, well, I'm a naturally loud person, as you know. So it came out loud. <laughs> yeah. And I said, what did you do? Oh, it's it's not even the you know it's not the 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 loudness it's not the volume it's the tone that scares kids right so you took a tone that she'd never heard before right and then what happened uh, their father stepped in as he should he's the disciplinarian I let him know what I had witnessed and he separated the two of them and the eldest was in trouble. So she uh, she went to their bedroom at my house and uh, was very upset. And I felt terrible because I made her cry. I'm a terrible person. I made a child cry. You actually, oh, so when you said that, she started to cry? Yeah. I think she was just maybe a little taken aback. The first time that somebody you are trying to, or the, a new, like a new person, mm-hmm. right? The first time they take a tone with you and you go to that place, it's, it's scary when you're a kid because now she's thinking Hillary doesn't love me anymore. Right. 
And, so, oh, that sucks. Won't be the first kid you make cry. so bad. Oh. So I, I let her have a minute to cool down, and I went in to talk to her. And I have to tell you, it ended up bringing us closer because we had a really good moment. And what did she say? Uh, I asked her if she was okay, and I asked her if she was mad with me, and she said yes. And I asked her why, and she said, well, you yelled at me. You're mad at me. And I... I told her that I wasn't mad at her, that I was, I didn't say disappointed. I said, uh, getting physical at my house isn't allowed. Good. And I said, it, I am scared when you guys get physical and I, I don't like it. And I will always love you, but that's not appropriate at my house. That's, you handled it great. I still feel bad because she's tearing up and the tears are sliding down her face. And you know me, tears. <laughs> I showed weakness, Sandra. You cried too? Oh, I totally cried. Aww. I totally cried. Aww. I don't know how you parents do this. Like how you discipline children. I have no idea how you do it. Because, it, because you're, you're, you see her every second weekend? Uh, yeah, a little bit more over the summer months, but yeah. Yeah, when you're with kids day to day, the grind, it just wears you down and then you stop, you get cold, real cold. <laughs> and the, the tears, the little waterworks they put on don't mean as much. You I've know, seen some, them yeah. fake cry, though. Yeah. These weren't crocodile tears. They were real. She was, she is a people pleaser and she's the sweetest child. And I felt so bad in that moment I know. Uh, that I just wanted to scoop her up and tell her, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay. But I knew that I had to be firm, but... Fair. And it's not my job to discipline them. I'm so glad their father stepped in. He's such a great dad. Um, but uh, it, it, it just scared me because in that moment, like I think about the future and how I'm going to have to at least prevent them from hurting each other <laughs> in situations. Yeah. Like it's not my job to discipline them, but I have to break things up if it gets out of hand. Right. Right. And you have to know how to handle things well, but you're in a precarious position because you're not their mom. So you don't want to overstep either, but you still have to lay down some rules. Right. Um, but uh, you know what? We had a great hug and I, I told her that I'll always care about her. And, you know, sometimes I may not always be happy with the actions that they take, but uh, but we'll always work through it together. And she can always talk to me. And that I also laid a little bit of guilt. I was like, you're older than your sister. And sometimes she doesn't express her emotions, but you're old enough to know better. Good. I think that's great. Now, is there a part of you that also wonders if somehow somewhere you've screwed her up and that this will be like one of those memory markers she'll have when she's 37 years old and in her therapist's office be like and um Sandra you're not helping my situation I'm just saying because as a parent you be <laughs> no I'm saying as a parent I always think what's it gonna which is the thing that's gonna really screw them up because no. you never really know what it is you know my kids will bring up random things they'll be like well I never would have called that one you know um, my hope is that I just open the communication so they feel like they can come to me with that stuff. Because I think it's when you shut down the ability to talk about things. You're absolutely that that's right. Where, that's when they don't feel heard. And I think as somebody who's incredibly emotional, if you make me feel like you heard what I said, even if you don't agree or nothing changes, that is 90% of the battle. I think you're a great stepmom. Well, we're not there yet. I'm, so what are you then? If you're not a stepmom, oh, because you'd have to be married to be a stepmom. Oh, sorry. Right. That was, a, sorry, too soon. <laughs> we're not yeah. talking about mm. that right now. Uh, no. So then what do you call yourself? What is your title if you have one? And uh, right now I'm dad's girlfriend. 
Okay, that's great. So you, yeah, it's hard because you don't have the status to parent or to even, you know, right. you're still like you're figuring it out. And I get that it's it's but it's it was totally on my turf. Yeah. So that's how I like that's my house, my rules. And what about the rest of the family? How are you um, assimilating? Uh, I mean, they call me besides calling you the wrong name. name. Uh, Great. You know, they all uh, we get along great. They love me. They keep uh, dropping little (laughs) jokes about marriage. And uh, my boyfriend's reaction is not fantastic. (laughs) It's usually shock and chagrin and leaving the room. Hillary, come on. Is he still doing that? He's got to he's got to learn how to handle that. Better. Oh yeah. And his brother's also divorced. So oh god. They'll make the family will make jokes and he'll be like, "Nobody does that twice." And then they <laughs> high five. <laughs> and you'll be like, "You son of a." <laughs> Pretty much. There were a couple of moments over Father's yeah. Day. Yeah. So I'm going to make your kid cry and get you back. <laughs> yeah. No! Oh, oh my gosh! It was a it was an intense weekend. Way to bring us down for the end of the podcast. <laughs> um, okay, let me think about something else I can bring you up with. Mm-hmm. Oh, one quick one quick question. Okay, and it's actually a follow up question from the podcast we did a couple of weeks ago. You talked about the modeling gig that you did. I just need to know if you fell off the stage. Oh my gosh, Sandra! What you're going to be so proud of me? What happened? So one of the organizers came up to me afterwards, and they were like, "Ah." Uh, Oh my gosh, have you done this before? <laughs> what? <laughs> have you done this before? Because you did great. I could pass as a professional plus size model. So you walk the walk, is what you're oh saying? Oh my gosh. I had the little flare. I did my thing. I wore two-inch heels because I was afraid of that third inch. Yep, everybody's afraid of that third inch. <laughs> I've seen. I've seen. That supermodels. sounds really dirty. Um, <laughs> uh, so you didn't fall off the stage. You no. Did you strut or saunter? I I totally strutted. I Good. I do have to find some of the photos from the photo shoot because I think they're funny. But uh, no, it was great. I had like this curly mohawk thing. My hair was. On point. Is that the picture that you posted with your killer smoky eye? Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that picture. I love mm-hmm. it. Okay. Uh, we're going to use that picture for the actual picture of this podcast then, because it's that good. It's a smoky eye we should all achieve, <laughs> aspire to it, at least. As a smoky eye aficionado, I'm starting a magazine, by the way. It's called Smoky Eye Aficionado. I, I feel like you, you need cover. to start posting makeup tutorials on our Quick and the Dirty <laughs> Facebook page. I could. I could totally do that. And here's today's smoky eye. This is the blue smoky eye. I right. love it. So I'm going to start with your smoky eye because it was, it was beautiful. I loved it. I had such a great experience. I was terrified going in that, A, the clothing would fit. No problems. <laughs> right. And it was well, fine. Because, you know, I just lost a bunch of weight and I'm still chubby. I'm still on the upper end of normal fashion sizes. Uh, um, you look so great in those pictures, though. You're rocking it. You really are. It was such a great experience. I suggest that if you haven't done stuff that uh, you've always wanted to do or you've been too scared to do, do it now. Because it's only going downhill from here. <laughs> Spoken like a true sunrise girl. <laughs> and on that, on the, on that, I say adieu. Adieu. I love you. I love you too. And don't forget to follow the Quick and the Dirty on social. Instagram at Hillary on air at Sandra Kiss 105.3. Twitter at Hillary Welch at Sandra Kiss 105.3. And Facebook at Quick and Dirty Podcast. If you got a question for us, you can email us at thequickandthedirty at gmail.com.